0: Mommy's
1: podcast. It's called A Slice, A Slice of
0: Paradise.
1: I'm so glad you're here. I hope, hope you enjoy, enjoy it. For more, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, Anita, you are episode one of season two. Oh, how about that? <laughs> Okay, so my guest on episode one of season two is my friend Anita Goddard. And Anita and I um, have a strange story about how we met, a very Jesus story about how we met. Um, My best friend and her parents were headed to Israel, and um, they, for some reason, decided to ask little Kara to go, and I had only met her parents once, and so... um, They allowed me to go with them to Israel, totally free of charge, by the way. They paid my way. And it was such a gift. I will never, ever, ever be able to repay them for me and my, my spiritual life, my spiritual walk with God. It totally transformed while I was in Israel. But I remember the very first day of our trip seeing a woman. Who was Anita and her husband Tommy? And I had never in my life seen a smile so big as Anita's smile. And I remember thinking, whatever it is she's got, I want more of it. And it was joy. Like it was just unexplainable joy. You smiled everywhere you went, you never stopped. I never, I literally never saw you not smiling. (laughs) <laughs> Even on the bus when Tommy was so sick, oh, was gosh, that was horrible. throwing up next <laughs> to you. Um, you were so happy to be on that trip, so excited to be there. Oh, and okay. so um, for, honestly, I think it was three days. I think on the third day is when I finally got to meet you. There was about 65 of us, I think. Right. Um, but the very first day that I got to meet you was in Jericho. And I was sitting across the table from you. I was so excited that you came and sat down at our table because I had been (laughs) glued to you. My eyes were glued to you. At night, I was thinking, what is it that she's got? Because I need it. Um, (laughs) And so I finally got to talk to you at this table in Jericho. And that was just an awesome lunch anyway. Um, To to be in Jericho all as a group. And even the setting was cool. We were Mm -hmm. able to see. Some awesome things. and It was a different city than most of what we saw. It was um, quite different. So anyway, you and Tommy sat down and we noticed that you ate differently than us. <laughs> and so uh, I guess first, before we get into that, we need to talk about your slice and that will kind of be a segue into how you ate differently than us. <laughs> okay. So we are doing this virtually, because Anita lives in Georgia, and I live in Texas. So this is the first virtual podcast I've done.
0: okay. I mean, I
1: have literally eaten broken bread with everybody, but tonight tonight I cannot break bread with you, and that makes me sad, but um, that is really the foundation for this story and this testimony that you're about to share with us, and I'm really excited to see how God works through your story. Um, So tell me your favorite slice of anything in the world. Okay. So when you asked
0: um, initially uh, about the slice, I was, it took me a while. Um, And that's part of the story. It'd been a while since I had had anything sweet. So I just think back, what's my favorite thing? What's my favorite thing? And, and then it just hit Mississippi mud pie, cake, whatever you want to call it however people make it and to me it doesn't matter how they make it it's delicious and um, so you're like major chocolate lover I'm a major chocolate lover yes pretty much anything chocolate
1: That's and awesome.
0: and any like I love dark chocolate and the darker the better and um but milk chocolate's great as well it just depends on my mood at the time or if I'm like <laughs> trying to be healthy you know I swing with dark chocolate dark, uh-huh. um but um <laughs> But Mississippi Mud Pie has, like, all of my favorite things, like cream cheese and butter and graham crackers and lots mm-hmm. of sugar. And um, And I have a friend who actually makes it and brings it to, like, family things and all. And she always just, for whatever, throws in mini marshmallows. And the like, perfect. Um, and then you <laughs> serve it with ice cream, which also happens to be my fave. Um, so the combination of the two, is like, if there's anything, it's a slice of big, thick, dense. And I prefer, like, instead of the chocolate pudding kind of, Mississippi mud I like the dense like cake kind of pudding that just sits mm-hmm. on the bottom and so anyway that's like my favorite and I'm just drooling now just thinking. listen oh, I don't this. think I've ever had this cake
1: and now I'm gonna go home and get Mitchell's oh you cream. need to it is and it's, it's easy so tell me how long it has been since you've had Mississippi mud cake
0: well I didn't figure that up but it has been five hundred and ninety eight days since i've had anything that tasted good Mm. and whatever you back up from december 6th of 2020 to thanksgiving of 2020 would be the last time i had that
1: five hundred and ninety six days five hundred ninety eight today 98 today wow wow okay so tell me what happened on december the 6th of 2020 okay on december 6th i
0: contracted which i knew i would because i'm a high school was a high school principal and i was around teenagers all day um and it was like at the the, during the big covid time and and so i got the lovely covid um and it was not like a, a what i would think a bad case i had a little fever i um had some fatigue um and, um, but my first symptom was loss of taste and smell. And I thought, well, this is really weird. Cause it was just, it's what's called anosmia and um, it is total loss of smell. And goosmia is total loss of taste. So I had both, which is not uncommon. And um, most people recover their taste and smell in a couple of weeks, four to five weeks, maybe six at the most. Um, but there are a number of us who do not. Um, and in fact, that lack of taste and smell, when it does return, it returns as parosmia or dysgeusia, which is a distorted sense of taste and smell. And so, um, it sounds kind of weird, but things just don't taste right. In fact, they taste like putrid. So it's not even like eating, like, I don't like spinach, but I have to eat it to whatever. Um, it's actually a... a like you can't eat it and so um that progressed to to being um I had to learn a whole new vocabulary
1: and um, I can tell I don't know I've never heard these words before um they
0: are really the only time that they're really were ever used prior to COVID is in case in like brain tumors and um uh people that are on chemotherapy have experienced the distorted taste and smell Mm -hmm. and so it's really a neurological brain kind of thing and so that's the area that COVID attacks some people in the uh, neurological impact is greater than say the respiratory impact and so there are long haulers who have a lot of serious like health issues with hearts and lungs and whatever and then there's the side that's the neurological side effects headaches and and loss of taste and smell, and then distorted taste and smell. So it's becoming, um, you can actually Google it now, and, it, and a lot of things pop up. When this first happened, there was nothing about it. No one knew anything about it. So for the first six months or so, there, no one really even, like, you still can't taste or smell? Like, nope. Uh, but it's worse than that. And, um, and if they saw me or were anywhere around where I was around food, then they would recognize. Oh, that's weird. She's acting kind of <laughs> over the top, <laughs> um, which you got to
1: experience. <laughs> I did. Um, so let's back up a little bit. Do you know? Do you have any idea how many people suffer from this post COVID? Um, I don't. I do
0: know that the Facebook support group that I discovered um, at this point has fifty one thousand people in it. It's had as yeah. many as seventy eight thousand, and I think that we've seen a decline based on the fact that some of the new strains don't cause a loss of taste and smell so that's great um but internationally there's just no telling because I run into people all the time who are like that's what I have I didn't know it had a name um Mm. and so I'm just the kind of person that if something's going on I like want to know everything I can know about it sure and so somehow I really just stumbled on Facebook at into this um someone had posted I was like wow let me see what that is and so that's where we learned I learned um as much as could be learned and then now people are are really doctors are beginning to pay more attention to it there are a few treatments that are helping people you know some people about 25 percent of people are getting a some relief from a particular treatment and so um it was just a whole learning process for me but it, I was
1: thankful when I realized I wasn't the only person out there um Absolutely. So tell me what this looks like on a daily basis for you. I remember whenever we first started to talk about this, you mentioned, you know, backyard barbecue, uh, you know, you can't smell. Just tell me all the things that you kind of can't be around because of this and also the things that you miss. Okay.
0: Um, so over the course of it, it's pushing 20 months at this point so um and we'll talk about you know hills and valleys but over the process that the hardest thing initially was the isolation and by that I mean when for people to really understand what this is um the smell and taste are so connected and I've learned so much about all of that but the easy process is to say that you don't have a a taste until and until the scents hit the back of your throat and they go up into your nose and you smell. And so the combination is what causes flavor, which I didn't realize, but sometimes you can hold your nose and take medicine. And that's why, because until those two senses connect, you don't really have flavor. So when the first episodes was Christmas and I couldn't taste or smell anything, which was not a problem. So life kind of rocked along as normal. I ate things because If they didn't have a taste, well, that was fine. And I even started trying things i would never eaten before. And I was like, oh, well, it'll eventually come back. So when parosmia hit, the first time it hit was an apple. And I wound up like throwing the food away because I was like, oh, this is bad. How so much food in my house has gone bad. And I would throw things away. And then my husband was like, wait, wait, I just had that. That's not bad. Um, But the isolation came with at Christmas when it's time to sit down, I guess, more. January we had a birthday party and and I couldn't I couldn't even sit at the table as it progressed and got worse and worse because the smell is is rancid it's rotten meat it's it's a thing that you cannot put in your mouth and you can't even because it's so connected the smell and taste is the same mm. and so I couldn't be around any any cooking heat seems to I mean what we've learned over the years is that heat seems to exacerbate it so For example, I can't eat scrambled eggs right now or fried eggs, particular fried. but I can eat a hard boiled egg when it's been put in the refrigerator and gets ice cold. I can get that down. Uh, That has been my saving grace. Um, I've eaten one or a half a boiled egg every morning for breakfast for 20 months (laughs) because it's the one thing I know that I can put in my mouth. That is going to give me protein that is not going to taste bad. And so things that are cold help. And that's great unless you want to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Or you want to go to your friend's house. Um, it, it, one of the things I didn't expect is to, to have to leave church because I'm gagging because someone walks in with a cup of coffee. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Interestingly enough, there are commonalities. This affects everyone different, but the commonalities are that um, 99% of people with parosmia cannot do coffee. They can't do peanut butter. They can't do onions, and they can't do garlic. Um, I've been really blessed that I can eat um, ground beef that's organic. Um, we have a butcher's market that my husband goes by every single day and gets fresh organic hamburger meat. And he grills me a burger outside because we can't cook inside. And he's done this for me every day for 20 months. I don't know what I would do without him. He's literally stood on our back porch in the snow, (laughs) grilling me burgers. Tommy. And, and then bless his heart. He does that. He'll, he'll come in and eat. his. I will leave the room while he eats his. He lets mine. He leaves mine out. Lets it get cold, and then I can eat it. I mean, it is just. It's been crazy. I Man, he's been so precious. Um, but things like you have a birthday and somebody gets you a cake, but you can't eat it because it tastes like garbage. <laughs> or um, um, I my granddaughter's favorite thing is scrambled eggs. I ha- I do have nose clips that I, I can now wear and tolerate being around foods that are cooking for a limited amount of time. But I look so stupid with a nose clip on that I'm not wearing it. I know other people have, but I'm just not, it's just not going to happen for me to wear out at a restaurant, but I will put those nose clips on and scramble her eggs with my face turned as far as away from, but that's a new thing. So that's progress. Probably just in the past two months have I been able to even like do those scrambled eggs for her and, and, um, and it's not often cause we don't see her often, but, um, but so on a daily basis, I eat things that have no flavor. <laughs> and so my meals have become the same every day. So I eat the same thing every day. Grocery bill has gone down. <laughs> sure. Um, I don't really get tired of eating the same thing. What I get tired of is, is that it's still, there's no joy
1: in eating. Yes.
0: There's there's nothing. If if it has no taste, then that's better than the bad taste. And so, well, yeah,
1: you will get nourishment.
0: Right. And okay. so that was what yeah. when you met me was was when I had zero what we call safe foods. Right before right before we left to go to Israel, I had eight, and then they progressed rapidly away from that. And um, so I was faced before, and I know we had talked about it. Before leaving for Israel for our trip, um, I I wound up suffering from malnutrition, which was not uncommon at all with this these series of symptoms, post-COVID symptoms.
1: How much weight had you lost?
0: At that point, I'd lost uh, 32 pounds. And um, and I didn't realize that I, I kept suspecting malnutrition because you just can't eat in the way I was eating and not. And be getting everything you need. So I was supplementing with vitamins. I was doing uh, protein shakes to try to keep my calories. I mean, this is like the first time in my life that I'm like counting calories to to keep weight on. You know, sure. <laughs> I mean. But I showered one day and I knew I was losing hair, which is also not an uncommon post COVID symptom. But I was losing hair, and then um, hopped out of the shower one day, just wiped my dried my feet off, and my toe, toenails fell off, just like fell off. And that's the moment that I was like, okay, I'm totally freaked out here. (gasps) I mean, I, a lot of weird things had happened, but I was just like, so I ran into the room. I'm like, okay, Tommy, uh, I'm going to have to go to the doctor because this is not normal. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, he's like, it it was just odd. You know, it wasn't like, there was no blood or anything. They just fell off. Um, but that was malnutrition. It just, my body just was not getting everything that it needed. And, it would be easy for someone to say, and people often say this to, to people, and it's not uncommon, to force yourself to eat. Right. And so that sounds like a doable thing. And I've learned now that I'm a little better, I can force myself to eat. But at the time when everything was rotting flesh... There, there was just no way you just couldn't do it and I would often wonder how do people do this and I really do believe and in talking with other people who have this that until you get that little bit better you can't so a lot of people wind up on feeding tubes and uh, I was headed that
1: direction when I
0: left to go to Israel
1: so were you experiencing any kind of depression or anxiety through this process absolutely
0: <laughs> um I was really struggling, um, initially depression. Not. I don't think anxiety hit until I really thought, is this permanent? Is my life going, am I always going to gag when I smell food? Am I always, am I never, ever going to eat anything else that brings me pleasure? Because what happened, Kara, is when, and you know, I do want to say that there are so many people that have it post-COVID, symptoms that are so much worse. There there are life altering things in in like physically life and death things that people go through. Right. Right. But when this happened, it took me a while till someone kind of pointed out that you I lost two of the five senses. So two fifths of the way that I interpreted the world were just gone. It was a grief process initially. I um, I really just had to grieve over the fact that I'm not going to sit down at a meal and enjoy this. I'm not going <laughs> to eat birthday cake and go, oh, this is great. I'm not going to eat Mississippi mud pie. Um, in fact, there is nothing in the recipe of Mississippi mud pie that I can eat. That's on my safe list. Right. Not a thing. So I could never. I mean, I would. I would look at it and go, oh, that looks pretty. But I would have no desire to eat it because I would know it would just be terrible. Um, so the depression initially hit with just so sad that, you know, you have holidays, you have birthdays and things like smoke. Anything that smells like shaving cream, shampoo, bath soap, uh,
1: deodorant you
0: name it. Everything smelled terrible. So I would get up in the morning. First thing i do is hop in the shower, throw rotting flesh on my hair, bathe with rotting flesh, r- brush my teeth with rotting flesh. I mean, it was just so trying not to throw up while you take a shower, trying not to throw up while you're brushing your teeth. And then, and then you have to go eat something and nothing is right. Ro- I mean, it was just wearing. And the thing about it is, is, You know, it's like, okay, if this was once or twice, but, you know, you get hungry more than once a day. Yeah. So, you have to deal with this every single time you get hungry. Every time you take a bath. Every time you go anywhere. Odors.
1: I was going to say, we're around odors all day long.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the best part. For whatever bizarre reason, you cannot smell (laughs) body odors. So, I can't smell. there's some silver lining. I can't smell, like body odor I can't smell um natural gas uh <laughs> I can't uh, it's I can't smell poop so when the grandbabies had diapers that need to be changed I would go change them and everybody would laugh because I would change their diapers and everybody even the little sister was like <clears throat> <laughs> and I would be like I'm fine this is great and then I would go wash my hands and the hand soap would make me gag and so I would go change a poopy diaper, but I would gag when I would wash my hands because the soap was so disgusting. So a skunk sprays, I can't smell a skunk spray. So wow. I oh. really am not sure I want those to come back, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so strange that, you know, the things that aren't supposed to smell bad, smell bad, but the bad smells, I don't smell. So I really did get, get really sad, but that's where of the things that, that help came into play because I do it is a it's a battle uh, on an ongoing basis so I I have battled depression before um with um kind of circumstantial kind of depressions that and and some need I need medical help for but um I think through those I, I learned some some skills to help and so this I've managed to not ever just be in that pit but i've been close (laughs) on several times several occasions and there was just no hope before we left to go to israel i was dealing with malnutrition there was no no fun you take away sense and smell there's not a taste and smell there's not a lot of fun in in just daily things no and um i had to face the possibility by then after i hit a year when i hit that second thanksgiving and i was going to go through you know from then on it was gonna be a year's worth of not having done this or having smelled this or I had to try to figure out if this is going to be um, permanent, then how am I gonna live my life? I can't live it every day with this. And the funny thing is it's it's this disappointing thing that that hits you like one day you can eat something and you're like, okay, like before I left for that Christmas, I could do chicken, I could do cheese. I could do some dairy and thanks the next Thanksgiving hit and I lost chicken and dairy and I was just devastated because one day you might eat something and it's fine. The next day it might be terrible. And so it's like the rug just keeps being pulled out from under you.
1: You're walking on smelly eggshells.
0: Constantly, constantly. And that is so just, it's the stress level is, just crazy and you don't want to whine to people and go i can't taste or smell and that's
1: really terrible but that's it not that. a, that's the problem it's the fact that everything you taste and smell smells putrid it's terrible right that's the difference
0: um the no taste and smell i would most people on this on the support group of fifty thousand people would say we would go back to complete and total loss of taste and smell in a heartbeat yeah <laughs> but um so i've had to do something now of course my faith has been the the thing that I have clung to and the thing that has gotten me through. But even that has taken some hits. Now I'm I'm very honest with God. I've I've walked with him for 50 years at this point in my life. And so God and I have some very honest conversations. My husband laughs because he's like, you know, God did not tell you get your butt out of bed. Like, yeah he did. Yeah he did. We we he and I are tight. We talk like that. Um but there are times I've just said Lord <laughs> I got to have a break here. You gotta, there, there has to be something. And so, um, and so really, I guess it was February when the toenails were falling off and the hair was falling out and I was down to the lowest weight that I had been and was needing. At that point, I'd been diagnosed with malnutrition and was being sent to a, um, nutritionist to see if what else we could do to keep my body, um, moving and working so that I didn't have to have a feeding tube um, that I, I just kind of stopped and thought through over things in my life that have happened. And when I've seen God be faithful and how he's been faithful and how he's truly always been faithful. It was the, the idea of, um, of just remembering what God has done for you. And, um, and so about 20 years ago, my mother had a, just a cerebral hemorrhage one day, boom, a massive blowout. And um, I was in the hospital and I was all tough for everybody. I was the woman, you know, the, the sister that was being strong for everybody else. And, and at one point I just had enough and I went to this public bathroom. <laughs> I look back now and think, oh, gross. But, um, but I just slid down the wall and sat on the floor of that one room locked, public bathroom and just cried and cried and cried and poured my heart out to God. And I was like, Lord, please do not let me hurt this bad and miss what you have to teach me. I was so afraid that I would allow my grief and my pain to eclipse whatever it was that God didn't want that pain and that grief to be in vain. Like, I don't want to walk away and be the same person and totally miss what God has for me. And I think that moment in my life, as painful and horrible as it was, um, has helped me so much through the rest of my life. Because when whatever kind of trauma or grief hits, um, I go back to that moment and go, okay, Lord, I don't know why. I don't understand why. And I'm really not willing to ask why. Because we live in a fallen world and bad stuff just happens. And it happens to beautiful, wonderful, God-fearing people just as much as it does anyone else. Yeah. And so I'm not a big why person. But what I want to know is I want God to use whatever it is. And I'm a slow learner, apparently, because sometimes God has to smack me around or, or yell <laughs> at me. Uh, and he's so faithful to do that. But I don't want to miss whatever he needs to teach me. Yeah. And that's not the why, but the what. Yes. Um, You posted something recently on uh, Facebook and it was just a little, I don't, it's on my phone, but I won't look it up. But it's, it was basically, it's not what happens to you. It's how you
1: respond.
0: Yes. It's how you react to it. And so that's how I've been tried to walk through the parosmia. Um, I was playing in the floor with my grandchildren one day and wasn't having a good day i i had um, um just parosmia because some days you wake up and the actual air smells like right. uh, like whatever and um just nasty and and so i was just i was playing with them and i thought you know lord if i had to pick if i had to pick two senses to lose if just one day someone randomly came up to you and said okay today you have to give up two of your senses in order to continue life you give up two senses and I'm, I'm laughing with them, and I'm loving all of them. And one runs over and puts his arms around me. And, and I thought, you know, I would never give up, just voluntarily give up sight. I'm watching my grandbabies play. I'm so blessed. I would never give up um, hearing them laugh and giggle. Mm. And I would certainly never give up touch, feeling them hug me. So if I had to give up too, it'd be taste and smell. And so, for whatever in that just beautiful moment with the Lord, I was like, you know what? I mean, if I had to give up two, these are the two I'd give up. So, I have so. When was
1: this moment, and where were you?
0: I, I was at home, and this moment was um, af- after Israel, actually. Um, wow. Because that's a that's so you know so much happened as you know in Israel. <laughs> um, and then so much has happened since I've returned. That's been a whole nother shift of, of trusting that God has a plan.
1: So if we go back to <clears throat> the table in, Jer- in Jericho, uh, you told us your story. You told us what you were struggling with and you were picking at bread. I think you had tried some bread. It was <laughs> the bread. That's the right. Bread <laughs> <It> was wonderful. <laughs> and I remember me thinking, I really wish they would toast this pita bread. Like it was cold. Most of our meals, the pita bread was cold. Yeah. I was thinking I would love it if, if this was toasted, but you were just like, "Oh, I, it the was, best <laughs> bread I've ever had.
0: It was, it was so good. And, and you know, it's funny because I, now my husband is like, you have to stop saying something is good or bad because I'll pass judgment on things. I'll say, oh, this is good. And then what about your? No, no mom, it's really not. <laughs> or, and so I base things on texture and temperature so the pita bread I just remember was cold so it didn't have a hot disgusting taste Yes. Uh, but it also had such a beautiful texture and um and I could eat it and it, it was the first thing I put in my mouth that while it didn't have flavor it didn't have anything bad about it and I was just like the texture was so good like and nourished so, oh,
1: yeah place. that was
0: saved me those first seven or eight days in,
1: in Israel and you said, I haven't really, really been able to eat anything, but I have wheat thins and I, yep. you said something else that you had that you were keeping on, maybe it yeah. was yogurt, like a non-flavored yogurt or something. Right.
0: And I could do, I found a, um, a protein, it was vitamin bar actually was the only other thing that I found that, and that's all I was eating, but yes. yeah.
1: Yeah. Had them in your backpack. That's yeah. right. So <laughs> You were chowing down on this pita bread and, and I got to hear your story, but the crazy part for me, and I hinted at this earlier, was, like, in that moment, it smacked me between the eyes that, like, you had not had any food joy in months. Right. Yet you were still the mo- the most joyful person on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but I, like, uh, I was just clinging to you. Well, in sweet. Prayers. Like, I found myself just wanting to be near you um, because you were so just filled with joy. And I was thinking... She is like in the pit as far uh-huh. as her senses and losing that and losing something that in the South we cling to. Smells, Absolutely. Who can eat for every, every occasion. Absolutely. That's what, how we do life. Yes. And so to, to have that taken from you and live in Georgia, like how in the world is she living and how in the world does she have all of this joy? Uh-huh. And so this Jericho was day three, I think. And then, I don't know what we did on day four. I can't remember, but I think it was day five when we were baptized and in the Jordan River and then we swam in the Dead Sea. Right. But I remember in Jericho saying, and I will never, ever, ever take any credit for this. It just made me bitter <laughs> because I remember saying, you are going to have to dunk your head in the Dead Sea. All these healing benefits we've right Right. And so, um, Walk me through what day five felt like for you and what you experienced. Um, and you can talk a little bit about, I don't remember that your testimony said anything about this in the Jordan, the testimony that you shared before you were baptized. Oh, it did not. It yeah. did not. No, it
0: was a total surprise. I was yeah. not expecting this at all. Of course. Um, uh, and it's so funny because I was really so fo- so focused trying to just get through it that I I, I know my friends have prayed for healing, but I, um, you know, I've had loved ones pass away with cancer and, and I hate cancer and, and, but I've, I'm such a realist as far as things like, you know, do I believe God is still in the miracle business? Absolutely. Um, but I also know that he, that he works through real, real world consequences and things of this fallen world we live in. He allows, you know, um, those things to just run their course sometimes. And so, um, I was just sort of praying that God would teach me what he wanted to teach me. And I felt like there was something he wanted me to learn from it. And, and I, um, but I was not, I was so excited. Israel has been a dream of mine. I taught a senior level Bible, um, at our Christian school for 12 years and, and just loved every moment of it. So, Israel was such a dream trip for me and I was so excited to be there. I was so excited to be baptized in the Jordan. I was so excited to be, um, to be in the dead sea and, and just had, it was a beautiful day. Um, and, um, and yet I didn't, I didn't feel any different. I didn't feel, um, it was sweet. Um, the dead sea was fun. Um, but it was the next morning, um, when I noticed a drastic difference.
1: Yeah. So we got, there was probably 60 of us. There was a few that had been baptized before in the Jordan right. before, and they didn't get baptized, but there was probably 60 of us yeah, who were baptized that day. And this awesome thing that we didn't expect was that, um, there was like this really small film crew that followed us throughout some of our trip. And so they were on the Jordan with us that day. And, um, I remember Jordan, our pastor, that went with us saying, um, if you feel led, and it was not like assuming everyone was going to do it. It was very gentle. Right. Yeah. To share your testimony of just 30 seconds, 45 seconds of what got you here. What has led you here? Why this moment is so important for you? You know, just, we're going to just say it in the camera and then we'll baptize you. And we had two people baptizing the music minister and the pastor and um, Jordan and Eric, And I was, towards the beginning of the group, I knew what I was going to say. I was excited about sharing my little testimony of just the joy that God has brought me. And um, I watched, I sat, I got baptized, and then I sat and watched every single person get baptized after that. And every single person, whether they were shy or brave or introvert or extrovert or from Georgia, Texas or from Tennessee or from Iowa or wherever, Every single person shared their testimony it and it amazing, was amazing. Wasn't it most awesome experience for us it to just was. build safe with each other. Yes. Um, I mean, we, none of us knew each other, even right. church didn't know each other. Um, so it was just so precious and so awesome to be a part of. And so at, and, as we faded towards the end of the group of people getting baptized, you see the Jordanian soldiers yeah. on the other side of the bank of the Jordan river and they're right. starting to line up and they're growing antsy because we're almost here longer than we're supposed to. Like right. To... This is a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, they're kind of feeling threatened. And so, um, we kind of get a tap on the shoulder from the Israeli side to say, y'all need to hurry up. You need to get through this. And so we were going through these testimonies and these baptisms real quick, one after the other, after the other. And so many of us jumped on the bus to to make sure that we didn't cause ruckus between Jordan and Israel. Right. Uh Jumped on the bus in our wet clothes. And we went to the Dead Sea. We swam in the Dead Sea. And I had the best time with you. Uh <laughs> That was the most. That
0: was so fun. Much more fun than I expected it to be.
1: (laughs) Everybody says, like, what was it like swimming in the Dead Sea? I'm like, you don't swim in the Dead Sea. You float. Like, you're a buoy. I was trying to touch the bottom. I could not get my feet (laughs) to go down far enough. It was the most awesome feeling to just kind of, I mean, we had just been baptized in the Jordan, and then you have no control over yourself in the Dead Sea. You literally cannot control anywhere you go. Um, so it was just kind of like giving up control. And I don't think yeah. that the original plan was to do that back to back, but it worked out so well from a figurative standpoint of just, right, just, just giving it up. I'm just giving up the reins. And, yeah. and
0: that's
1: what it was almost a childlike experience because we were
0: all flopping and floating and trying to roll over <laughs> and trying not to roll over and trying to touch the bottom and you couldn't. And yes. it was very lighthearted. Everyone was laughing and playing. It was it's a belly
1: laughing out there. Yep. And then you'd have the people that were from there and they're like covering themselves in the mud, all in the hair. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So the next morning you wake up and tell me what you're experiencing.
0: Okay. Well, I think you, you had a bird's eye view too. when I would walk into the dining hall um, I would go with my husband every morning and every evening and we would stay the, like probably the least amount of time of anyone there because it was just as, so I could let him eat. <laughs> um, and so I would just like, I would have to stop 12 feet away from the door and just kind of get myself together because it was such an awful smell and go in. So Thursday morning, it turns out that Tommy's not feeling well. So he stayed in the room and he's never sick, which is really funny. But I thought, well, he's probably just tired. So I'll leave him in the room. So I left him in the room. I was just going down to get, you know, my boiled egg. And so um, I walked to the door. I realized, wow, I wonder what they've done different this morning because I don't smell that horrible smell. Hmm. And I still really was not thinking anything about it. I walk all the way through it and I'm like, whoa, wait, there, nothing's different. All the food is here and the food was gorgeous. I don't know what it tasted like, but it was beautiful. It was. And, um, and so I'm thinking, oh, there is, there's. So then I decide, hmm, I'll get my little egg and I'll sit down for a minute. So I got my little egg and ate my little egg and and it tasted like an egg. Like it took me a second because I'm like, wait, this, this tastes like an egg. And then I, I kept eating it. I was sitting by myself and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I think I can taste this. But I, because this changes so often, you gain a food, you lose a food. You, you, you uh, if you get a cold, you go back to no smell. It was just right. bizarre. So I was like, oh, I don't know. So then I thought I got brave and I'm like, I love waffles. I'm going to go get a waffle and I'm going to see what a waffle tastes like. Well, at this point, pita bread is the only bread on the face of the earth that I was able to even put in my mouth. So breads are like, a and steel. no potato chips, no breads, big no, no. And, um, so I go get a waffle, ate the, I eat the waffle. I like, I ate the whole waffle and I'm like, and it tasted like waffle. So then I decide, Oh, i am putting this to the test. So I go get a thing of orange juice, which is, Oh, ugh, that's like the worst. Mm. And, um, Drank the orange juice, it tasted like orange juice. Well, I go, I, I leave, go back up the elevator. I am in tears by the time I get to our room because it's the only thing I've, and I'm almost afraid to even believe that I'm tasting it. And so, I mean, as you know, then we, I tell Tommy and he's like, this is amazing. I'm like, I know. And, and I, I go downstairs to meet with the crowd. I can, I smell cologne. I smell hairspray. I smell deodorants. I smell, I'm just, but, and they're, and they smell normal. And by the time we get to lunch, I don't know if you remember, I ate a pizza and they filmed me eating the pizza because I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, it was just, it took me like 20 minutes to eat one slice because I wasn't savoring just like every bite of it. And, um, I had full, not, you know, I didn't try everything. I didn't smell. I didn't test it except by just the natural course of eating and being around people. But I had full taste and smell for the next three days a hundred percent taste and smell what? and there's just no way There is just you know I, i'm there's just no way that you can't connect this there's two bodies of water yeah in the land of promise i mean it's the land of blessing israel is is itself is set apart the land is set apart for milk and honey the people are set apart that there's just something and I think that's what was I didn't understand before I went is that Israel is just unique. And I think in hindsight, after I've had months to process, because obviously it didn't stay that way. Um, but for those three days, I just there's just something sweet. And I, I will still ponder it in my heart and still continue to process. But I believe because I was in the land of blessing that God just chose to bless me for three days, that he just gave me a taste of how sweet, like I believe that here on earth, it's probably all parosmia. Right. (laughs) And when we get to heaven, that's what it's going to taste like (laughs) that. We're that, you know, he says we see through a dim, dim glass. Yeah. And, um, and so I think what we think of as joy and color and and um, satisfaction, we just see so blandly, almost right. without taste and smell. And then when we get to glory, it's going to be this beautiful, fragrant, tasteful. I mean, the scripture says, and that's my, my verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. You got to put it in your mouth first. You got to try it. You got to sample it. And that's why we talk to people about Christ, because we want them to just try it. You try it, you're going to know it's good. You, you look at that Mississippi mud pie and you're going to go, oh, that looks good. But I can't tell you about how that cream cheese and that sugar and that, that chocolate sauce and that cake's going to blend together and you're going to go, oh, my gosh, this is so good. Right. And uh, and I think that's that's So I'm sort of looking at those three days as God going, this, this is what it can be. Yeah. This is what we have now. And you think it's good because I'm like this doesn't have any taste or smell. Yeah. But that's not even rem- that's just that's that's nothing compared to what it's going and to it's be. Unimaginable.
1: Yeah. Everything yeah. we hear we hear about heaven, even the reports of people going to heaven, you know, for rem- for a minute and coming right. back. It's just like they can't even put it into words right. what colors they saw or what sounds right. they had.
0: And so that's what I think, you know, um, because coming back and and losing it again has had its own um been its own journey, um, almost separate from the first journey. Um I kind of I kind of rank it to the 15 months before Israel <laughs> and then the few afterwards. It's um, pre
1: Israel and post-Israel.
0: Yeah, it's really was a really a defining moment in this whole journey for me. And uh, trying to figure out, Lord, why just three days? Why right. didn't you heal me 100% for like all the time, you know? Um, and I think if people hadn't been around me and had it, like if Tommy hadn't been there to know just the journey I'd been through and to see that for those days, I mean, I, I could identify, I could close my eyes and you could put something in my mouth and I could identify it. Like right now you hold something under, I'm, I have no idea what it is. Um, and so...
1: So we're on this trip, and if we go back to day two, uh, the whole trip was just like chasing written proof of God's miracles. Yes, so we're it's day two, we're on um, the Sea of Galilee, and obviously, we all know that's my spot like, I (laughs) have a whole awakening on the Sea of Galilee. So we're on the Sea of Galilee and we're, we're reading about all the miracles that have happened right there on the Sea of Galilee. We stood on this shore where, you know, he pushed the boat out a little bit and he taught the people that were on the shore. We're in the first century style boat where he calmed the waves and where he told the fishermen to put their net on the other side of the boat for a catch and they had toiled all night. There was no fish. And so they (laughs) put net on the other side of the boat and all of a sudden, they had all these fish that they couldn't even hold couldn't land, Right, And so we're watching. I mean, then we go to the uh, garden tomb where he literally uh, from the right. dead. And so we're in all of these places where a miracle has happened. He has, he has performed a miracle in someone else's mm-hmm. life or he has been the miracle. And I remember, I will never forget this moment because I don't know what happened after Jericho and the sea and um, the Jordan river and the dead sea, but I wasn't around you for the next day. So when Jordan, the pastor that went with us got up at the farewell dinner and said, I want to ask Anita to come up here and share her story because we have seen all of these miracles, these places that God has performed all these miracles this week, but we are literally in the presence of a miracle right now. And I, (laughs) I knew that you were tasting things, but I didn't know that it, I didn't know that it tasted pleasurable. Like, I didn't know right. that. It, right. I just knew that it was like, I can handle it. Right. Which was what I was
0: hoping for. Handling things was great. had yeah. no idea. But actually I mean. enjoying
1: the food and it tasting right. it supposed to it was like, unimaginable. So um, you stood up at the farewell dinner and you said, I haven't had taste or smell Or I have, but it's been putrid for however many months at the time. And you went into the changes that you felt. And the morning after, we swam in the Dead Sea and we uh, got baptized in the Jordan. And we're all just, like, sobbing in tears because (laughs) we've literally watched it happen with our own eyes. And you were crying, too. Tommy was crying. Like, it was just, like, such an awesome close to the trip where it was, like, we didn't want to leave. Right we had watched all of this happen and like seen miracles with our own eyes. And it was you, like you were the miracle. And so um, it was such a, I don't know, you don't go to Israel with the group. You don't go to Israel and come back the same.
0: Right. You do and not. You that not go is abs-
1: the group and come back the same group either. Yeah. Like we were tighter than ever because we had seen some stuff. Well, I feel like, um,
0: it's it feels odd to say this, but it's like family. It was like I talk about you, like I've known you my whole life. Me too. Like, and I'm like, oh, Kara, Kara's calling me, and I get to be on her podcast. <laughs> you know, and people are like, who's Kara? And I'm like, uh, you don't know her. <laughs>
1: Israel, is like people, i yeah. from Israel. I mean, I met her in Israel, but she's exactly from Israel. Like, <laughs> oh. anyway, so we get to the end of this trip and we get to like wrap it all up with this miracle that Anita has walked through. And so it was just the coolest thing. And so was it when the, when you got back to America that you lost? Yes. And it took, yes,
0: it was. It was on the last, the last food they brought on the flight home. (sighs) When they brought it to me, I, I just, I mean, like, I'm enjoying airplane food. Now, let's just be real, okay? And Tommy is, like, sitting next to me going, I'm not eating that. That's got green peas in it. Who puts green peas in? I don't even remember what it was, but they put green peas in it. He was like, who puts green peas in macaroni and cheese or something? I don't remember what it was, but it was just, and I'm like, I, I, I can taste this. I'm you. And so the last meal they brought, they brought, and I just opened the little lid and was like, oh. and I just looked at him. And he, and because... That's, that's what's hard to, now, I, I'm a little dramatic, I'm, I was a theater major, but I, uh, no. I, you're, and it's so gross, your initial response is just a gag, and so, it, it's hard, and I don't like to be around people when I eat, because I never know if they bring out something, if I'm going to, like, gag, it's like a four-year-old, he's like, I don't want to eat that, but it's just that initial childish kind of response of, right. um, but, um what, What has kept, what I have kept from Israel is the best thing ever. And that is that the death smell, the putrid, rotting flesh smell that I had lived with for 15 months, that is gone. Wow. Um, It's completely gone. It's never come back. So that is miraculous. That is the miracle I've come home with. So even though I'm like, I'm not 100% like, um, and I have digressed over the time. So I am back to um, a limited amount of safe foods probably probably back to 12 or 14 at the most. I, if I, I haven't listed them lately, yeah. um, because I, I like, I still lose things like I lost ice cream, which is devastating. Uh, three weeks ago, just out of the blue, I got an ice cream. It was my, I'm so excited and I get my little ice cream and, and I can't eat it. Um, the taste is different now. It is, um, bleach and like, uh, sour Dish cloths, like if you ran a oh, come sink on. and put dirty dishes in it and put your washcloths in there and then you pull them out three days later and like eh, that's that's the smell now the right. beauty is that I can force eat what I call a uh, dish soap but um, so <laughs> the I play this game with myself now to to keep the happiness to keep the joy I play this game and it's like what's the percentage of dish soap and so if it's uh, 20%, like I'm good. Like I can drink a Dr. Pepper because it's only about 20% dish soap on most days. Sometimes it's like 80%. I'm like, ooh, can't do Dr. Pepper today. Um, but before this, I could do none of it. When it tasted like rotting flesh, I'm like, I can't eat any of it. So what that means is I will try things now. Like I'll try a French fry because I miss French fries. Um, but I'll try a French fries. Sometimes I can eat it sometimes I can't if if it's high in dish soap then I can get a few bites of like a hamburger down or or a piece of baked chicken down depending on the level of flavor it has meaning dish soap um so while it's still not good it's not rotting flesh and I'll be forever eternally grateful that that has gone Um, so you would say the bleach and dish
1: soap is better than rotting flesh
0: yes because I can force feed and so that keeps the malnutrition at bay as long as I can get sustenance in then I can keep my health where it needs to be so that that's a great news I've actually put on about four pounds Uh um, in the past couple yeah so um so that's good news um and hair and toe I haven't lost any more toe downs my hair is not falling out anymore so (laughs) I feel like I'm you know making some recovery I can go to restaurants that have places you can eat outside So I wait outside, Tommy will go in and order or we'll order ahead of time and we can sit outside. Um, The funny thing is I've I've learned to pray before they bring my food because instantly, you know, they bring your food, you do the little Christian thing, you hold hands, you bow your head right over your plate of food. So so every time I'm like, okay, let's pray. (laughs) So so now I've learned, let's pray quick before they get the food out. Um, Okay,
1: so... Where are you mentally at now? Like, as far as your depression and anxiety, uh, how has that been now that you've gotten a taste of three days worth of actual taste and smell, where are you now that it was taken back?
0: Okay, so in, in complete transparency, yeah. um, when I came back and started losing it, it went pretty rapidly. So within about three weeks, I was back to where I was pretty much i was back to where i was before i left to go to israel without the death the death smell um it it was bleach and the soap water that was so strong it has lessened a little bit i believe or i've just gotten used to eating bleach and soap water i don't know but um it um it was it was frankly devastating emotionally i just could not believe that I had lost it all again and so that caused me to ask for one of the first times in my life why Uh, I lost my parents within seven months of each other five years ago one to a cerebral hemorrhage and then my dad to cancer immediately following that oh just brutal time of grief in my life I was very much a daddy's girl and very, very much a mama's girl I was the only girl in the family and was very very close to my parents and they lived just down the street and I had taken care of them for a long time and Anyway, I lost both of them back to back. And so I, I just, that was horrible. And so I didn't even ask why then, because they were old. they lived beautiful lives, loved Jesus. They went to heaven. Right. There it is. That's life. But this time I was like, I think, Lord, if you hadn't let me have three days, I think I'd be better. Because I was yes. like, why give it and then take it back? You know, and, and so I really went through several weeks of just. I mean, I was just like, I just quit. I quit eating. I mean, it wasn't even worth it I because at least three times a day, I get hungry. You get hungry in the middle of the night where you certainly don't want to eat and make yourself sick. Oh, the other thing I do need to say is that prior to going to Israel, prior to those three days, if I ate something with that death smell, my brain interpreted that as spoiled food and I would throw it up within 30 minutes. And I would throw up until my body was completely emptied. And I did that four or five times to the point that Tommy's like, stop trying to force it. So when I got back, I was afraid to force eat. And then I started trying it because I was like, I can get a bite or two of this down and I have not thrown up. So that is a huge physical breakthrough, but emotionally it was just still so hard to go backwards. And I still, I have, I don't know why it has come back I know that um, a lot of people experience when they travel and are exposed to from this support group that we talk when they travel outside of their natural taste and smell environment and and a lot of it's international they can eat for a while while they're there or eat different things so I don't know if that how that plays into it i just know that a lot of us have experienced that um mine was a sudden onset it is all back for three days boom there you go and it was glorious um i have i've come sort of through the depression part just on a gradual basis i try to offset that with gratitude i try to always go back and say that i do have touch and and sight and hearing and i do have a husband who is unbelievably supportive he's just like the greatest in the world we just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary and he's wonderful um i'm so blessed with all of that my kids believe me they're careful when they come home about even the grandkids are like nini is that okay they open (laughs) some food around me you know um, because they know cheeses will send me into the other room um and so they, they even will put up their cheeses if i come into the room um so everybody's great so I have so much to be thankful for um anxiety on the other hand I don't know um, if some of it I've always been have a little bit of anxiety um and just kind of you know toughed it out whatever um but I don't know if neurologically this is the effect of COVID or if it is the anxiety of um of the parosmia the the um combination of the the symptoms um it could be either, but either way, my anxiety has like skyrocketed with the onset of all of
1: this. Um, I cannot not imagine waking up every morning. And I know that you struggle with this, but waking up every morning and saying, I don't know if it's ever going to come back.
0: Yeah. And that's the, I try not to let, before I left for Israel, hopelessness had set in. When I'm thinking like I'm facing a feeding tube, I'm facing, um, Hair and 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 we mean you know one of the problems that people who have this have are teeth because we don't eat anything we have to chew and so our gums and teeth are at risk and so it's just all kind of health issues you don't even think about but um but I have to constantly remind myself how blessed I am How, how I have the money to go out and buy the particular kind of yogurt that I can eat that doesn't make me sick right and. And I can eat fresh fruit on occasion. And, um, uh, and I have a whole new like mentality about food. Like, I used to reward myself with food. I, well, I guess I still do with the ice cream, but, <laughs> but it's not my primary. I used to, all of my connections to people were, Hey, want to have lunch? You want to yeah. grab, a, you know, people would always go, you want to, I'm not a coffee drinker, but you want to grab a cup of coffee? And I'm like, I'll meet you wherever, um, now, none of those, like, my life doesn't revolve around food anymore, um, which is really odd in the South, <laughs> um, but for me, it's a good thing. I have a much healthier relationship. I I recognize the need for um, particular nutrients and what uh, foods I can get from those, and and uh, so that protein shake comes in handy because I poke whatever in there that doesn't have a strong flavor, and then if I get it ice cold, I can, ch- you know, chug it and get it down and, and get the nutrition, so... Um, I just try to look for all the things that I can do rather than the things that I
1: can't do. How has this changed your faith? You know, I,
0: I don't know if I would phrase it as much of a change as, um, it's just been another faith journey. I, I can trace back, um, things throughout my life, um, that have been those hard journeys. Um, everyone has something in their life, some battle that they're fighting. This is mine, so I think I'd, you know, I'd rather fight this one than one I don't know about or or somebody else's. But God has given me this one. I feel like I got worse again because there's still something that God wants to teach me. There's still something I'm supposed to now i've learned a lot i've learned that for people who have like ms or they have um a, a disease that no one can see so people think they're just fine but they're not they're hurting inside but nobody sees it yeah oh you know, for people um who have infertility issues and the whole world invites them to baby showers and doesn't know they're yeah. pain, they go to, to go to those um those are the people that That we skip over so many times, or we're insensitive to. um, No one um, thinks to to say. um, Someone asked me this morning about my taste and smell, and I said, "No, it's still not back." And um, uh, a girl jumped right in and said, "Oh, I think I have long haul COVID. It's I get I still get tired sometimes." Oh gosh! And it was just like "Mm," because (laughs) uh, you know I. and I said, I'm so sorry, long haul COVID affects everyone in such different ways. And it's it's that because it does. And I'm not wanting to discount her fatigue. Um, But you'd have to spend 30 minutes trying to tell you why, you know, things are right. right. Um, But I do think that well, when my, my dad was a wood carver, we actually just like to work with wood and he would carve things. And one day he had this big chunk of wood and he was out in the workshop and I was like, what are you doing? He's like making an elephant. It was just a square of wood. And uh, I'm like, how how you do that? And he just did beautiful things. And he said, well, i just take this piece of wood and I cut off everything that doesn't look like an elephant. And we laughed. And he said, you know, that's what God does. Our goal, God's goal for us is to look like Jesus. Wow. There's a lot of, and he said this about himself, and I'll say it about me. There's a lot of me that doesn't look like Jesus. Yeah. And in order for me to look like Jesus, God has got to get rid of those parts that look like Anita. And so he's got to do some shaving and some cutting and some sanding to get me to look like Jesus. And so there's something that God still wants to do in my life, something he still wants to teach me. That had that requires some sanding. <laughs>
1: wow, that is good. Your dad—that was some wisdom to drop yeah. on.
0: Oh, it was. It was like he—he he would. That was just how he was, and so that was, that was something I never forgot. You know. And so now I laugh and go, you know, there's nothing, anything that's in me that's good is Jesus. The yeah. the Anita is not. And and eventually the end goal is to get Anita out of the way. <laughs> Get me to look like Jesus, but there's a lot that doesn't look like Jesus that needs <laughs> that needs cutting away. And so, when we cut something,
1: it hurts. <laughs> Not gonna yeah. lie.
0: And uh,
1: I don't know how you have this. I mean, I know how you have this outlook, and it is nothing but Jesus. Like <laughs> I, what does look like Jesus in you? That I saw from the get go was the smile, the joy. Like you are finding joy in the pit, and you are. Finding gratitude when so much has been taken from you. I mean, in the South, when someone has a rough day, we give them a casserole. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you have just yeah. been to the pit, and you have figured out how to be so grateful. Like it is, you are such a picture of what we all should strive to be. As far as no matter what is thrown our way, God is still good. He still has a Absolutely. plan. There's still lesson in it. Absolutely. Um, and to just uh, lately, I don't know why God has put this on my heart, but I I did my children's, I teach children's church and uh, I did my children's sermon on having a receiving a rec- a receiving heart, being in a receiving state okay. where you literally wake up every morning and you open your eyes and you think, God, just show me what you have for me today. Today may, may hold so many challenges and so many obstacles, but just show me you through all of them and, and let me be light and a vessel for all the people around me to also see you through me. Um, and so just like putting my mind in that state every morning of like, today is another opportunity to be the light or receive light from someone else. When I, whenever I it. that has changed everything for me and it's been so big on my heart lately. And you, maybe this all originated with you in Israel because you were, you are the epitome of that. It's like, no matter what you're going to wake up and you're going to find the joy. Yeah. and, and that's,
0: that's not to say that we don't have some really hard days and I hadn't shed some tears and I hadn't thrown a couple of things across the kitchen when it tastes terrible and, <laughs> and days I've just wanted to quit um, whatever that means. Um, but, but there's so much of, and, and there's just so much to be thankful for. There's so much more than just, you know, food was never meant to satisfy our souls. Yeah. And so, you know, I lose pretty much food, but it's not what satisfies
1: my soul. And that and is such a huge lesson for those of us. And I know that some of us have, I think it was Lisa Turkhurst who did like a Bible study on, um, The importance of you not relying on food to fulfill you, but relying on God to fulfill you. And so those of us who have struggled with our weight in the past or, you know, put so much emphasis on food, like that's such a good lesson. And it would take someone like you to be like, it actually isn't everything. You can still find joy even when you can't eat that or can't. Thing or everything tastes. Well, and
0: it's been a process. I mean, you know, it's been twenty months. It's certainly, I mean, I don't want to give anybody the idea that it happened overnight.
1: No because, way.
0: Because it has taken a while for me to get to the point of saying of of the mind shift of not centering life around food. Because they well, you know, in the South everything we do is it's y'all come over and bring something, or I'll come <laughs> over and bring some or, um and all that's great. And um but that has had to be a continual mind shift and that and honestly this is crazy but every morning I get up and get in the shower I'm still shocked at how nasty it is <laughs> and how gross it is and I'm just like ah and that my day starts that way but then I have to go okay what's on my agenda today what am I what am I doing what am I being productive with what else am I accomplishing you know and just push through um
1: I love that And try to love find- that you've been able to like totally reset your mind on looking at life based on what you have and not necessarily based on what you don't.
0: Yeah. And that's really the only way I've been able to do it because the loss is substantial (laughs) in, in, in just, uh, enjoyment and just pleasure. I mean, you think about what we eat and how much joy we get from, from eating or smelling, you know, I go outside or my husband got me (laughs) a a dozen roses for my birthday. And I'm like, thank you, honey. They're pretty. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what they smell like but they're pretty you know just just those simple things that you think you know uh, a fresh washed baby or or um anything anything that smells good there's so much pleasure in that and to, you know i lose that but then there's pleasure in so many other things of, yeah uh, and then it thrills me to know that that you all were able to see that joy because there wasn't a lot of happiness in my yeah.
1: life you had were coming off of literally no hope before that trip, and I remember you telling me that in Jericho, like a week before this, I didn't, yeah. know if I could,
0: yeah, it was, it was, I didn't know I'd be able to go on the trip, yeah, um, and, um, and so you know that, but, um, but there's always joy, at the, and that's what uh, that joy, that joy that only comes from the Lord, that only comes through knowing Him, um, that's the joy that made us family on a trip. That's the connection that binds our hearts um, across the country and from country to country. That's the connect. That's the key. Um, And so, you know, I try to do that on on the support group, anywhere I speak. And thank you so much for letting me share Um, because it's really, it's not, I I don't even know if this story is as much about food as it is about loss.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, The things that we want that God doesn't give us that's right, the things that that I think bring me joy, the things that are the thing I center my life around, and then I lose them, and whose fault is that, and do I put blame somewhere rather than saying, this is a stinky rotten world we live in, and it was never meant to be this way, Um, God intends nothing but good for us, um, and, and look for for
1: what he has given us that's good because if it's if it's good it's from him that's right that's right amen i'm so glad you came on and you shared this story uh you were obviously you know this but you were so special to me and just it's such a gift to know you (laughs) be able to see you smile in person and uh now we've been able to connect after the israel trip and that's just awesome i feel like you're my sister honestly for the rest of my life
0: Great. well my home is your home (laughs) Uh. (laughs)
1: So i'm so um in awe of your outlook on life and it's definitely done a number on my heart even just rehearing some of these uh the story and, and remembering what happened in israel getting to witness it was so special um so i hope that this resonates with anyone going through any kind of loss or grief that that you can really just wake up every morning and be thankful for what you do have, even though so much has been taken from you. And I know that's so easy to say and not as easily done, but it really has been such a driving factor in who you are and, and how you've survived because you have given no other option, but to wake up and see what is good. <laughs> exactly. Okay, sister. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank off. you. What a blessing. I love <laughs> you. I'm so, so
0: appreciative and, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, I love
1: you too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. With each passing week, we learn the incredible power of a person's story. Every one, unique and supremely designed, just waiting to be shared when the time is right. But what is even more powerful than the story is the grace surrounding it. May we give it courageously. May we receive it graciously. And may we try to make this place. A little bit more like paradise. Thanks for listening to A Slice of Paradise.